to Financial Education for the Nation. My name's Warren Shute, and I'm here today with another episode of The Money Planet with the lovely Paul. How are you, Paul? Morning, Warren. I'm very well, thanks. Are you well? I'm very good today, very good. Uh, it's a nice day, uh, equinox, change of seasons, uh, going into spring, gives me a lot of uh, excitement and vibrance. Um, bit overcast where I'm sat today, over cloud, sorry, overcast, a bit cloud on the sky, I'd like to see a bit more blue sky. But other than that, it's all very good, very good. And we have a bit of a change today, today's episode, don't we? Yeah, that's right. So we've been contacted by someone and, and we've got a bit of a scenario and I thought that'd be a, an interesting one to run through with you. And yeah. it's, it's regarding retirement. So we, we, we've got a guy, Arthur, who's in his 60s and he's he planned to retire at 65, but from the sound of things, he wants to do it a bit earlier. So he wanted a bit of a bit of guidance on kind of can he can he afford to and, and what are his options yeah no definitely so when, when i spoke to arthur um he was actually really stressed really stressed out that um he was almost desperate to retire um he had hoped to go another year or so but um it just was getting to him and i think we can probably all relate to that in some way shape or form <laughs> we have some days that are better than others um i know my energy for work although it's still very high isn't as high today as it was 10 years ago. Um, and I think when you probably get into those years that are retirement years, you probably start thinking any more early morning. So getting up early in the morning, going off to the office, doing the work. Um, often or not, when there's a change of things, when there's a change of computer system, change of policy, maybe a change of owner, it's new things to learn. And although those things keep you young, when we've done the same thing for so long, we get into a routine, so it makes it harder. So uh, when I spoke to Arthur, you're right, he was kind of like at his end's wit, if it were, and said, I need to retire. Tell me, can I retire, please? So uh, that's, where, that's where we are. So you, you know, t- tell me, well, the conversation really started with Arthur was, um, <clears throat> well, actually, I, I started with, what are you going to do? Because Arthur had been working for this company for 30 plus years, uh, he's in his 60s, so pretty much all his working life. Um, he's used to getting up in the morning, going out, getting his suit on, going out, doing his job, coming back. It was a routine. And for all of us, routine, we develop habits. If that changes the next day, you need to have something to go. So I was very keen to talk to Arthur about transitioning and having some kind of work that he could then go into, whether it was voluntary or whether it was just helping, charitable, that kind of work or whether it was income earning that tapered his working life. Because I think from memory, he was working sort of 12-hour days, so long days. And going from 12-hour days to nothing forever is a bit of a culture shock. So we spoke about different things he can do. And some of the things we spoke about was helping out with his church, helping out with his community, um, and also um, uh, researching family history, genealogy. So that's a big thing for a lot of our clients going in and getting a task. Saying, okay, I'm going to research my family history um, and go off and, and, and do that. So um, if you're considering retirement, great. I support you. Go for it. It's fantastic. It's right for you. Super. But don't underestimate waking up every day for the rest of your life. What am I going to do? Now, some people say it was the best job they've ever had. Retirement was the best job they've ever had. And they <laughs> love it. Often because they had a plan. And, you know, it's about planning to succeed in retirement and having sort of an outcome. Okay, so uh, that, that's where he was. Um, I asked about the transitioning, and then we spoke about the basics of the money plan, really. So tell me, Arthur, what debts have you got? 
Yeah, and, and I think let's run through a few details because I, I think in many ways a lot of the listeners, viewers, readers are, are going to relate to Arthur. So I've, I've yep. got a few notes down. Um, <coughs> as he said, employed more than 30 years in, in the same company. Um, he owns his own house. He's got yep. no debt. His kids are grown up, so he's not financially responsible for them. Um, his wife's already retired. And he's got a few different pension funds. Collectively, they're adding up to uh, approaching half a million pounds. Let's call it around half a million pounds or so. Um, and crucially, he's also got extra savings on top of those pensions. So around 250,000 pounds that, that he's got saved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he wants a bit of an overview on, on what his options are, because you, you can go online and you can see these figures that you need to retire, but let, let's look at Arthur's situation with that. No debts, got his pension, he's got his savings. What are his options here? Well, the, I, first thing is to con congratulate him for arriving at retirement in good shape. Um, if you are listening to this thinking, well, I've got credit card debt, I've got a loan, I've still got a mortgage, really make that a absolute must, a priority to get that debt repaid um, as quickly as possible. And sometimes it involves taking some kind of sacrifices, so giving up other things. Um, but remember, your retirement period is going to be a long period of time. Um, actuarially, we're way into our late 80s, and life expectancy results actually from the Office of National Statistics released just last week show that we're living longer. Okay, so longevity is pushing out further. So we need to make sure we've got enough money to retire. One of the best things you can do for that is by paying off your debt. So, step one, let's make sure your debt's paid off. And for Arthur, um, approaching retirement with no credit cards, no loans. Um, spending within his means and pay his mortgage off. That was fantastic. Um, further than that, his employer has been paying into pension schemes all his life. Um, and he's been not only matching what his employer paid in, but whenever he got pay rises, talking to him, he's actually been putting more away. So more money's going into retirement. So he's been making the most of that. Um, he's a good earner. Don't get me wrong. He earns good money. So about 60,000 a year. So he's on high income. So he's paying 40% tax. So he's getting the bigger bang for his buck by putting more money into his pension. He's getting the 40% tax relief on that. Um, but also, I think there was a small inheritance he got from um, his wife's family. So it was £250,000 of savings, money in the bank, national savings, investments, premium bonds, um, and some cash ices as well. So um, money sort of spread around there. And we basically just had the conversation around, okay, these are your options. You, you can retire. Um, and when you take money from a personal pension scheme, there's really one of two ways in which you can do it. You can do the more traditional route is when you hand your proceeds over, your fund value over to a, typically an insurance company. And that insurance company will then give you an income for the rest of your life. <clears throat> and that income is called an annuity. And most of the listeners will be familiar with annuities because they've been with us for so long. You basically give your money across the insurance company, they give you an income for the rest of your life. Now, that income is calculated based on a number of what we would term as bells and whistles. Your age, your sex, your health, um, what type of income you want. So whether it's increasing or whether it's level, um, you can have guaranteed periods in there. So in other words, if you were to pass away on day one, the annuity is guaranteed to pay for a certain five or ten years. You can have an amount of your money paid to your spouse in the event of you dying. So if you had, for example, £100 a year of income and you had £100 paid to your wife, that would continue. But if you wanted half it paid to your wife, 
you would get more because obviously less is going to her. And if you wanted none paid her at all because she was independent in her own, own right, you'd have even a higher amount. So you start off with this higher amount of annuity and at every bell and whistle that you add on, it reduces the amount of income that you can take from it. But like I explained to Arthur, that income is secure and it's guaranteed for the rest of your life. And for a lot of people going into retirement, that security is a big value added. Uh, it's very, very important. So that was one, one option. The other option for Arthur would be to draw down on his pension fund. So, you know, but almost, it was just shy of half a million pounds of pension money when it's all combined. There was about three different pots. Drawing down on this money every year so the money remains invested, so it has the potential for growth over time. As long as he doesn't draw down on it too aggressively, that money will continue to grow and they'll always be there over time. Now, the risk he carries with that is obviously market risk. So we go through a difficult time financially in the stock market and the, and the portfolio falls in value or he, he draws down on it too heavily. So his drawdowns are too aggressive and he starts eating into the capital. So there are pros and cons with both. The, the benefit of the second one is that there's a chunk of money there that he can flexibly access so he can take different amounts of drawings from it. Um, in the event of him passing away, he can also pass down to his children or his spouse. So there's, there's, there's money there. But what it does do is it gives a risk to the money. It gives a risk to your money. Um, and for some people going into retirement, that's something they're not comfortable with. So it is, there's not a right or wrong answer here, but really for, um, for the listener, it's really, do we want security? Do we want guaranteed flow of money? Or are we more concerned with flexibility and providing a lump sum or income potentially for our, not just spouse, but potentially our children? And... Um, for Arthur, when we were sort of going through this and discussing it, one thing I did say to him is he's got this £250,000 already. So he's got this chunk of money there um, that he can use for variable spending needs, taking capital some sums out, maybe <clears throat> weddings for his daughters or his son. <clears throat> um, so that kind of provides the flexibility for him. Um, and just talking to them both, actually, just talking to both, they were quite safe people they were they, they didn't like the risk so much so we then sort of sort of maybe start we then actually started talking more about annuity purchase and the importance of annuity and how annuity works um and i think really for them that was a more suitable approach which is interesting because so many people are talking about drawdown with pension freedoms but the annuity approach for them was the most suitable one because it met their needs I was just going to say, because in the headlines, all we've seen since the, since the pension freedom legislation came in 2016, I think, if I'm remembering our previous conversations, you hear about drawdown, um, and there's obviously that flexibility, and, and that's, that's uh, uh, a positive for some people. But you do also hear those cautionary tales where people have been persuaded by these snake oil salesmen to give up a chunk of the money that they've taken out of their pension into some wildly promising, too good to be true investment scheme and unfortunately they've they've gone on and potentially lost that money. So I think it is worth emphasizing what you've just said there, that annuities, while they may have fallen out of the headlines, they're still a very important consideration, aren't they? Yeah, no, definitely. So the annuities we started talking about with um, Arthur were, okay, so if you were to die, Arthur, how important is it your wife receives an income? You know, does she have enough money in her own name to sustain her lifestyle? 
or is she reliant on yours? And because she'd retired a few years earlier, um, her income wasn't quite as high, her retirement income. So we needed to make sure that his wife was looked after. So there was an income going on uh, for her. So we then started to talk about how much spouse's annuity um, was, was required. And you start the conversation with 100%. So obviously, you know, if you pass away, all of it goes over to your wife, but the amount you get on day one is less. And we come down, and we kind of agreed about half would be a reasonable sum of money because she had some money already in her, her own name. So that plus the half of his pension, if he were to die, seemed fair. That was quite an easy decision for us to make because that wasn't too expensive um, of a, or too big a decision. It was something that was really important to them. Um, the guarantee period was quite an easy one for us to make because it was very inexpensive to buy. So adding, a, uh, I think it was a five-year guarantee, it could have been a 10 um, for their annuity was quite an easy one because it wasn't expensive. So that was a, almost like a given, well, it's a small price to pay. The real tough one for them to make, and they are considering it at the moment, was the inflation linking. So whether they had their income go up every year in line with inflation, or whether they had their income remain level for the rest of their life. And this is a really tough one because inflation is a real risk to your capital and to your money, particularly as you get older, um, because the cost of goods and your ability to earn money Sorry, your cost goods keep rising and your ability to earn money sort of decreases. You can't go out and earn anymore, can't get pay rises. So inflation linking, having your income go up in line with inflation is so valuable. However, it's so expensive. Uh, and the rates we were looking at for them is about 2.6% for a inflation linking annuity. Okay, so £100 would give you £2.60. £100,000 would give you £2,500 roughly. Or 4.7% for a level annuity. Now that oh, is a massive difference, eh? massive difference. And it's the cost of this inflation linking over time. Because he's in his sort of uh, mid 60s, 64, I think he was. Um, actuarially, 88. He's in good health. There was no medical conditions for him. So the actuaries are looking at and saying, we've got 20 plus years of these payments to make. Um, when it's fixed, we know what it is, but when that's going up in line with inflation, we don't know what inflation is going to be in the future. We're just guaranteeing RPI. So that will go up every year in line with RPI. And there have been periods where RPI has been very big, so the inflation increase will be big and where it's been level. <clears throat> the, one of the things I did say to him, because of the cost of that, um, obviously he can split it, so he could do some of the annuity level, he could do some inflation linking. Um, but one of the things I did say to him is, your need requirement to spend money over the next 20 plus years is going to diminish. So at 64, he's going to be a lot healthier and more active than he will be at 84. So having an ability to have access to more money in the earlier years might be more advantageous to him. And one of the things he might decide to do is look at his basic living expenses and inflation link annuitize that. So look at his utilities, um, his um, mobile phone, for example, his gas, electric, uh, council tax. Look at the cost of that and maybe buy an annuity that annuitizes that with inflation. And then with the excess money, his spending money, as it were, his wham, as we would refer to it, maybe have a level annuity on that as well. So splitting the money up a little bit. So he's got two payments coming through, one covering his bills, which hopefully will keep track with all those future rises, um, and one which is level, which is higher now, so he has a higher spending capacity now, and over time, although it remains the same, in theory it's going down, because obviously 
um, uh, a new, uh, inflation is eroding, eroding that money. Um, and that gives him guaranteed certainty of flow of money, some of it increasing, some of it remain level. Um, and on the side of it, he's obviously got his 250000 as well. So he's got that. So that was the kind of conversation we had with him. And I sort of said, it's not just a black and white, one thing fits all for everyone. It's really an individual thing, um, how it would help. Yeah, I think that's an important point. Just, just briefly, I think it, it highlights there, even within the annuities, the complexities and the decision-making process. And I guess this is not, I'm not a financial planner and this isn't a plug for financial planning, but how important is it when we're coming to retirement age and deciding these things to, to find a, a proper qualified person to discuss it with. Hey, you know, I think in this day and age with the likes of Google, we can do a lot of things ourselves, okay? But when it comes to really important things like your health and your finances and things like that, I think sometimes it's worth just getting an opinion from a professional. Um, I, I, I saw a, a quote, a picture the other day on someone's, well, I think it might have been on social media, it's like, don't confuse your Google search with my master's degree. And it, <laughs> it just struck me. I thought it was fantastic. I'm going to get it put up on my wall. And it's true. I'm, I'm constantly researching things on the, on the internet and stuff like that. But when it comes to making important decisions, I want to pay a professional and get a professional advice. Um, and I think if you've not been working with a planner throughout your life, times of decision change, maybe inheritance, maybe divorce maybe a death of a loved one, maybe retirement, are key moments when you go and pay a professional to put a plan together for you to put things in place. Uh, because like you said, we, we even delved a bit deeper on the annuities and started talking about their health and their medical conditions because it's at this time when you're buying an annuity that your poor health actually goes in your favor because actuarially you've got less years ahead of you. So if you've got high blood pressure, cholesterol, you're uh, obese or you're what have you, then you're more likely to get a better annuity uh, rate than if you are looked after yourself and you're healthy because they, the annuity providers see that you're going to live a lot longer. Um, so that's around that. The other thing we discussed is also is how much tax-free cash from their pension pot he should take. So he can take up to 25%, a quarter of it. Should he take all of it? Should he take none of it? Um, and it's discussion around that. Now, my opinion on that, although he's got this £250,000 worth of savings, that tax-free cash is money that will provide him with a tax-free income. So I would much rather him take that tax-free cash and put it into investments. He's then almost getting like a quasi-drawdown process. He's got guaranteed certainty of income from the annuity, but he's also got drawdown from the tax-free cash, is it worth, he's investing that. So the, the sort of the conclusion um, for him, the way, where we sort of got to, although it's not all been decided right now, is it most likely going to end up being a inflation-linked annuity providing the um, utilities and the fixed bills every month so he knows that that's all covered and that will keep in line with inflation? And then he's got this level annuity uh, which will sit on top of that, which will pay for his WAM, his day-to-day -day spending money, his holiday, that kind of thing. Um, he'll most likely take his tax-free cash, so from uh, £480,000, there's like another £120,000 of tax-free cash there. Pop that with his um, savings, £250,000. So, you know, he's up to £370 or so thousand pounds. Keep some of that money back in cash deposits and reserves. Make sure any expenditure that's going to fall due in the next couple of years 
is kept on deposit. Maybe um, uh, holidays, people often like to have a nice holiday when they go into retirement. Any changes, improvements they need to do to their home or house in preparation for their retirement. And then take the other money and invest it in a balanced portfolio, globally diversified, uh, which will allow him to draw an income from it. And managing that portfolio between him and his wife should mean that money can be paid tax-free because the size of it should remain within their capital gains tax allowances. So there's no tax on that. Wrapping up as much money up in ISAs as possible. Um, and I kind of worked out from his three and a half thousand pounds of net of tax income he's got at the moment. Um, he's paying 1,500 pounds into pensions and ISAs anyway. So he's about 2,000 pounds after those expenses um, in his bank account. Um, his pension um, and taking about three and a half percent income from the portfolio, he should be actually about two, three. So he should actually have more money coming in um, and uh, more flexibility, more time post retirement. So, uh, and then we've got his state pension kicking in next year as well, which will obviously bump those figures up a bit more as well. So, um, you know, it was it was a fantastic call that I had with this chap and sort of discussing these points with him. Um, that he went from being really worried and stressed that, oh, I just had enough. They keep changing the goalposts. I, these long days, they're expecting more and more from me. It's just driving me nuts. And I explained to him, precious time is slipping away, and I wanted him to make sure that he had time with his loved ones. Um, and he could, what he's been making some great decisions, turn things around and actually retire, potentially within the next couple of months, um, on probably more money than he's got at the moment. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a happy ending for Arthur, put it that way. Yeah, it's a dream for all of us, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. And do you know what? I think if you listen to this saying, yeah, but that's not my scenario, um, call us in. Call in, message me in, drop me an email, um, get in touch and just say, well, look, this is my... We can do it anonymously. We don't have to mention your name. And in fact, Arthur's name's been changed too. So um, we'll do it confidentially but it means that you'll get a review. We can talk about your scenario this way. Or if you want to talk live on there as well, if you want to talk live on this, we're very happy to do that as well. But um, yeah, give us a shout out. But make sure you um, give us a nice kind review on wherever, whatever medium you're listening to this on, whether it's on YouTube, on a podcast somewhere or what have you. Um, I hope you found this useful. Paul, thank you for playing Arthur. You did a great job there. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Always good fun. <laughs> it was good and we'll do a few more of these um that people can get an idea we kind of mix them up with different scenarios and i'll, I'll use both what people bring in sessions if you want to do it live then that's great or what um we also get uh, through the uh, telephone in the office as well great stuff all right thanks one thanks well you have a great day